And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It is the Weighing In Podcast coming to you talking about the future of what's coming up. This week, we've got three main cards. You've got the PFL starting off on a Thursday. you got Bellator on a Friday, and you got the UFC on Saturday. We're talking about a plethora of fights, some really good ones in there, too. I know it's hard to imagine, but I really want to know what my man, the punk, has to think about all these, so I've got to talk to him on this show. What is up there, baby? Well, we went from the last like three weeks to only like one set of fights by the UFC in the on the yes. weekend, and they were sometimes in the middle of the day when everything's going on. And now, in one week, we're back to back to back. We're gonna do all these in in basically in basically in, in the same order. Thursday night's gonna be PFL. Friday night's gonna be Bellator, and Saturday will be the UFC. We're gonna just tear this up as we go down, and it's gonna be Friday's fun. Actually, man. PFL. Oh, jeez, Friday is the PFL, John. It is Friday. Fuck, I'm sorry. Jeez. I am sorry. Good good call, Dave. I thought that was because normally they were doing Thursday. See, I hate when people start to switch up. I think Thursday is a phenomenal day. Honestly, John, I'm I'm going to say this. When, When Bellator was on CBS Sports and we were on Thursday nights, I loved it. I loved it. And it's nothing to do with Showtime, but I just love the fact that we were home by Friday and we got to spend the whole weekend at home <laughs> instead of flying on the I weekends, missing flights, flights being canceled, all of these things going on. I love the fact that when we were on CBS Sports, it was on a Thursday night and the viewership was amazing. I mean, like you got so much feedback from it. You knew that the people that were there to watch sports, they were there to watch sports. And so that was great. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I, under, I understand as a promoter, it's not as easy to sell. I understand why the PFL yeah. is like, yeah, tickets because people have yeah. work the next day and things like that. So I, and Bellator did the same thing. Yeah. But goddamn, I think fights on Thursday is good because, man, on Thursday, let's be honest, what is there to watch that's good on TV? Nothing. Unless it's the NHL Stanley Cup. Nothing. Yep. Well, I mean, like for, you know, the NFL has Thursday night football, but it's it's very short lived. I think it's, it's about not, 12, 12, 13 yeah. weeks is what they do. it. I think for Thursday nights, um, unless they've yeah. made that change now, that they've added that extra game. But I thought it was only like 14 weeks of Thursday night football that they were doing for a while. Uh, but overall, look, Thursday nights were a great night. But now hey, we're going to have two fights on Friday night as podcast. Dave has finally re- done some research and correct us for one time in his life. Podcast so Dave we- has positively corrected us on. Thank <laughs> yes. you very much. So you it will Scottish be bastard. Friday night will be PFL and <laughs> Friday night will be Bellator. And um, there is no bias here, but Bellator, because we have not had a fight in three weeks, this card is stacked. There's a lot of talent that's waiting on the side, waiting to get these, get onto this fight card. And it is a stack card. The prelims are stacked. The main card is stacked. And we have the continuation of the Bantamweight World Grand Prix. That's going to be a fantastic uh, main card as well. <laughs> but first... Let's jump right into the PFL, yes, buddy. Let's go. Is. PFL 5. It's the 2022 regular season. These guys are still trying to get in to the actual playoffs, and uh, they've got a lot. Now, John, let's clarify but some things. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what? You know I, what? I, I, I know their main event is, you know, Capaloza against Scheifele. How is that not a championship fight when Capaloza won the title? I guess it, it does not matter once you go back into nope. their playoffs or their season yep you're no longer the champ you're the champion but you're not the champion it's like the nfl well you're super bowl champion the year before but you're not the champion anymore you're what you're what yeah. you were yeah okay. that's it that's all 
Time's up, buddy. That, Party you know time's what? over. You know, new season. Josh, you know what? You know that that fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you work that hard and you only get to short live it for so long. But hey, you know. Thank you. Here's okay, so there was some there was some miscommunication, I think, for people who are having a hard time understanding what I was talking about last week when I said, look, open scoring is Hold what you're Stop, stop, stop. You're saying people are having a hard time understanding you? Yeah, yeah, that's it's very you rare. Fucking this kidding. is very rare. Come well, the on, fact baby. that I, I think I, I, I felt like I have like a Scottish accent where people can't understand me. I don't know what it is. It's like you, but it's, it's one of those things. So when I talked about open scoring last week, people were like, "What are you talking about? PFL doesn't do open scoring." I said, "You're right. They don't do open scoring." No, but after they, they fought in the regular season one time, and let's just say that one person has gotten a knockout. He's got six points, like Anthony Pettis did. Anthony Pettis now in his second fight doesn't even need to really take a risk. He just needs to circle and stay nope. away. He's already in the he's already he in the playoffs. He doesn't even have to come. Yep. He doesn't have to what? That's it. No, so he doesn't he, he just he needs to stay to away. Re- yeah. Go ahead, John. He needs to he needs to all he needs to do is make sure I don't get injured. Yeah. Cuz it, it's if the if there's one thing that's difficult about fighting in the PFL is you are on this season where You've got to fight almost month to month. Mm-hmm. That makes it difficult. You may get a two-month uh, stay, but that means you're going right from one fight camp right into another fight camp. It makes it difficult. And, it, and when you know the point structure and you know where you are going to fall, basically, it's not that you're going to. I'm not saying that they're going to, but I'm saying they can take a look at that and go, Hey, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to make sure I don't get hurt mm-hmm. and go into the playoffs feeling better, not with any kind of worry about, you know, that I'm injured or any of those things. It's I don't care about where my, you know, if I'm seated number 1 or if I'm seated number 4, it doesn't matter to me. It's just possible based upon knowing where you're at with the points. So you can use that for, as a strategy. And that's it's, what I said last week when it came to the, uh, what was his yes. name? Abi Mercier. Yes, you did. Mercier. I will back you up. And that. I said, I go, look, this is the problem with open scoring. Mercier or whatever, all he needs to do is get through the fight. He's already in. He knows he's in. So what you saw, and so was his opponent, uh, Mafio. Both of those guys, they were basically, as long as neither one of them got finished, they were both in. Now, if one guy being Mercier or Mercier, if he doesn't worry, if he doesn't have to worry about getting injured, and because this other person also says, hey, and this could also be things that fighters talk about. Hey, if you, and I'm just being honest, this is how it can be. If by, if neither one of us goes out there and gets hurt, if neither one of us goes out there and finishes each other, we're both in. It, it could be, and I'm not saying that's the way it happened. What I'm saying though is that that's what open scoring will potentially have if it is if that's the way it goes down. You could end up having one fighter going, look, I don't need to take a chance anymore and just circle, stay away. Now, maybe the other fighter will press press the action and chase after him. But if he's also the fighter that sure. got his butt kicked for four rounds and he's bleeding and cut everywhere and he's like, look, am I going to go out there and take take a chance and take more damage? Possibly. He may. He may try and push more pace. Or he may be like, hey, we've seen it before. Fighters are like, look, I've already probably lost about two or three two or three years off my life by taking this amount of damage. <laughs> Let me just get through this fight. Go back to the drawing board. You're going to end up with fights like that with open scoring. I'm not a fan of open scoring. I've well, never been a fan of open scoring. Go ahead. Let's compare it this way. Your your guy, DC, is being very honest when he says, look, I don't like open scoring because I'm telling you right now, 
if I knew I was up two rounds, I'm just going to take it easy and I'm just going to make sure that I don't get hurt and I'm going to just walk away with my win. He goes, why wouldn't I? Why am I going to go out there and take the chance of getting hit with something when I can play defense and I can make it to where, yeah, I lose the round. I don't care. I already know I'm up two rounds. That's the way DC has talked about it. And it's an honest, you know, it's an honest statement by him saying, look at this is why I don't really like it because this is what I would do. You can take a look at Josh Emmett in his last fight against Calvin Cater. His corner was telling him, you're up 3-1. Now, I don't, I didn't think that that was the smartest thing for them to do. I didn't think that he was up 3-1, but I obviously I think some of the judges did. But he could have gone out there and just sandbagged that round. He didn't. Thank he went God. out there and he tried. He fought for it. He went after it. And so you look and you go, you're going to get both. You're going to get both things. You're going to get like what Josh Emmett did. No matter what he's being told, he went out there and he fought for it. Or you could do what DC says, hey, this is what I would do. I'm just being honest because I've got my win and, I, and I'm just going to keep from being damaged. Why wouldn't I? Both sides are being honest and truthful. And it is what you can see from both sides with open scoring. You're going to see both things. You're going to see fighters that no, no matter what, they, they're winning. They're going to go out and try to finish the fight anyways. You're going to see fighters that don't try to finish the fight. My real problem, it goes from the other side. No matter what, this is not about the UFC. No. It's not about Bellator. It's not about the PFL. You have all of these fight organizations. You know, someday go on freaking SureDog and just look up the organizations and the names. And you'll see how many fight organizations, promotions are, are out there or have been out there. And you have all of these people working these shows. And no matter what, I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to thought, you know, in, you know, think about it beforehand and do it. You're going to get judges that try to level themselves out with other judges when they know they're, they're, they're the one that's the odd man out, hmm. the odd person out. They're going to try to all of a sudden, oh, it's a close round and I was the odd person out before. I'm going to go with this person and try to even out that score to make it look better. It's human nature. They're going to do it. I've seen it in boxing. I did the open scoring in boxing. I've seen people do it. It's like, you, Josh, you, you know what it's like to be in San Jose, fighting in San Jose. Not, we'll, not, we'll, we'll not even say you, but even small organizations. It wasn't Strike Force. It's not Bellator. It's a small promotion in San Jose, and you've got all these guys that are San Jose-based fighters, fighting guys from outside areas. Yeah. How many times have you seen the judge when you look and you go, man, that's a close round, but that should go to, you know, the kid from Fresno and it ends up going to the San Jose. Yeah. Because it's skewed what are by they the hearing? crowd. They're hearing the crowd and yeah. stuff and they get skewed by it. And man, it, I've seen it. I've seen judges do it. I'm not saying that there's not good points to open scoring. I think there is. And I think it's, it's one of those things where you say, well, Look at teams need to know the score. Fighters need to know the score. Okay. I kind of agree with you, but there's bad elements that can come with it. And, and right now I don't think you can get rid of those bad elements in any fair fashion to say that it's worth it. 
Yeah, I didn't even think about the idea of judges being skewed by the fact that, hey, they're up 29 or whatever, 29, 20, oh, they whatever will. it is. They're up by two rounds when it should be when the, the rounds have been closer than that or so, the other two judges went the other I way. Have, I have this guy up two wow. rounds. All the other judges now have it 1-1. One, one. Ooh, I'm going to try to you know, yeah. adjust this. And even though it should be the guy that he has up two rounds should get the third round. All of a sudden, he doesn't get the round on that scorecard because yeah. that'll make it 29-28 like all the other judges. Oof. Yeah, you're, you're putting it. But th my point to go with, with with this was when we're talking about the PFL, th some of these fighters, as they got into the main card, they'd already seen their counterparts fight, and they knew where they were ranked. Yeah, they so knew they know what point structure they have and yep. where they're at and where their opponents are at. And that's basically like open scoring. And, not, and, and I'm not saying they're opponent for the night. they're going to fight. Go ahead. Yeah, not their opponent for the night, but their opponents for the playoffs. They yep. know where it's at. They already know where, who they're going to potentially face. Now, that also makes a change, too, because now it's okay. Look, if I finish this guy, now they could go out and try and get a finish over somebody because like sure. now all of a sudden, now I'm the number one Now I'm the number one guy. Maybe I'll be a main event, and maybe there's a bonus clause in their main event. Maybe there's things like that. But who knows? Yeah. We don't know how their contracts are all structured. But when it comes down to the fact they knew – because there was a guy in the back going, if this fight goes to a minute 29, the other guy, he's like, I'm already in. I don't need to try and get a knockout. So whoever the third guy was, it was hoping that there was a knockout in the minute 29 so he could get in versus the other guy. That guy's like, I don't need to take a chance of trying to get a knockout in 129. I'm already in. So he didn't push the pace and the fight went three rounds because they both were being, he just like, okay, look, we're both in. There's no reason for us. So the third guy got in based off of that. You sometimes see it in football, how... In, game, in, in in week 16 or 17, you know, they start off with their starters, but halfway through, they got their backup quarterback in. Yeah, it's like, why am I going to take a chance in the playoffs? It's no different. And so you're going to end up with things like that with open scoring. And so I, I'm not, I'm not, I think that they're, they're on the right path to something that makes it interesting. I think the PFL is, I love, I love a lot of their concept. I love how they give you stats. I love how they... Their whole thing is backed by technology. That's their gimmick. You know, I mean, that's their shtick right now. That's what they're, that's, they're going with betting, live betting odds. They're talking about that, which is great. It's a good shtick though. I like it. I like the fact that they give you, they give you strikes off the bat or in between rounds. I like they're giving you um, updated uh, betting odds as you're going. Like they keep it consistent. It's up on the screen. Those are little things that I like a lot about it because for me, I don't like to bet a lot, but when, when there's a fight that I'm interested in, I might throw some money down in the in, you know, in the in-between round betting or as the fight's going on. I mean, you're doing betting as the fight's going on. They're doing live updates. They've got this kid, uh, this guy that I know who used to own this, uh, it's like magazine company called Cage, uh, Cage Hero, Ian Parker. So Ian Parker does their, um, their in-round or live, live round betting or whatever it is. And uh, he's pretty good, man. He's got a good energy to him and you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. It's fun. It's fun stuff. I, I like what they're doing. But anyways, I wanted to clarify and clear that up. They don't have open scoring, but it's very similar to as if it is like an open scoring when you already know if you're in the playoffs or not, if you if you just make the, the distance. If both you and your opponent know, all you have to do is not get hurt or not get submitted or not get knocked out, and all we got to do is not get hurt, like do anything stupid, we're both in. You're going to end up with fights like that. Okay, so you got Capaloza versus uh, Sheffield. Yeah, look at look up Capaloza for me there, Dave. Because what is he? He's like another hybrid kind of heavyweight, about what 240, 245? He doesn't seem like he's that big, but he's he's pretty lean. Oh, 235. So yeah, so I mean, 
235. He's one of those hybrid heavyweights. We've seen a lot of those guys have a lot of success in the heavyweight division. He's been doing really well. Loved his energy last year. He brought he brought the fights to everybody. And I would have to agree with you. I think he's all over the place. He's good on the ground. He's good on his feet. You know, he, he's got banger if he needs to be, but he can get takedowns. He's good. He's a stud. I want to see. I want. I, I, I agree with you 100%. He's going to be the faster fighter. He's going to be the one that can take it anywhere. And he's going to be the one that kind of pushes the action and tries to become the bully in this fight. So look for him to kind of just take over as the as the... The first two and a half minutes goes by, he'll start taking over the fight. Who else is in here? You got Anthony Pettis and Stephen Ray. Josh, I'm not too sure about what Anthony Pettis is going to do. I honestly think he has something to prove. I think after last year and what occurred with the losses to Collard and Manfio, he's he's in that position. He wants to prove to everyone, look, man, I, I'm still the guy. I'm still here to win this. I came here to win this. I didn't have a good year last year as far as the results. But I'm going to prove to everyone I'm the man. So I think he's going to go after Stevie Ray. I think he's going to go after him trying to finish him. If he does, he does. If he doesn't, you know, that's understandable. But I actually think he's going to go after him in this, and I think it's a good fight for Anthony Pettis. I mean, John, let's not kid ourselves, man. This this sport is hard. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. It doesn't matter what organization you're in. None of these fights are easy fights. No. And, to sit here and, and for me to sit here and say, like, oh, he's got a lot to prove – He's already done a lot throughout his career. I don't think he has a lot to prove. He has something to prove to himself, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Now, me as a fan of his, I've been a fan of his for the longest time. Went back in the WEC days and so forth. No matter what, how many times we were supposed to fight, I'm still a fan. I like his fighting style. I like what he brings to the table. But let's not kid ourselves. This sport is hard. Everything about it is hard. It doesn't matter who you fight. It's a tough fight. Ray's going to give him a challenge. It depends on how much he tries to push on Anthony. If he's going to if he's going to be thrown off by Anthony's ability to to be creative in the cage that he's been since he was young and talented. He's, he's always been talented, but since he's been young and in those in the cage against some of the top guys in the world. He will bring the fight if the I think if the action is being pressed against him. I don't think he's going to go chasing it. I think he will fight smart. No. He will pick and choose his shots and he'll capitalize when he needs to. Like I said, he's already in the he's already in the playoffs. He doesn't need to take any chances, but he does need to fight smart because if Bray comes after him aggressively and hard, he's got to be careful and that he's on point with his defense as this fight goes on. That's yeah. it. That's all. I th I think, like I said, there's nothing for him, nothing else for him left to prove. I think outside of just something maybe to himself. Well, I I think the one thing that you know you're you're talking about here is, you know. This fight could have happened in the UFC. They were both in the UFC. They both could have matched up against each other. Yeah. It's a possibility. And it's like, this is the world of fighting. And there are no easy fights when you get into the top brackets of any organization. It's tough. And uh, I just think that deep down, Anthony wants to prove to people, I'm still here. I really think that he does. I agree. So. I think I agree with you 100%. I think, but I also think he's going to, I don't think he's going to take the chance at trying to prove that over getting to the playoffs where the money can be made. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, we're prize money. fighters. It is about money, baby. It is. It's about making money. And so That's when I look true. at him, I think, um, I think that he will. I think he will try to potentially get him out of there and let, ever, let put everyone on notice in that division that last year was a fluke. I was just coming in here trying to get my feet wet, threw me off guard. Now I now I know what to expect. Yep. I'm gonna come out here and shine, and I, I'm expecting I'm expecting him to do something like that, but not at the risk of losing the chance of getting to the playoffs. I mean, not, he's he's not he's not gonna lose that chance. Yes, but no. not at the risk of getting hurt and not being able to go to the playoffs. Not, not be able to perform so. in the playoffs. Yeah.
Exactly. Chris exactly. Wade taking on Kyle Bochniak. Ah, good fight. It is a good, good fight. fight. It really is. It's, they match up well. I think Chris Wade's just got too much for him. Just being honest. I think the wrestling yeah, but, of Chris Wade's just a little bit. Uh, his MMA wrestling is good. His stand-up is clean. I just think overall he's the more technical fighter. I would have to agree with you, but Chris Wade also didn't look great his last fight. No. It's almost like he was so encouraged by the fact that he got to the finals last year, didn't win it all, but got to the finals. And then he came out this time like, oh, you know what? I had such an easy time last year getting to the finals. He made everyone, he made almost everyone look silly until he got to the finals. He had great performances last year. Yeah. He made it look easy. And I was thinking to myself, man, all he's got to do is grow on that. And he's going to potentially win this thing this year. Not with his last performance. He didn't look good. And I mean, like, you just got to be honest. And yeah, but, but he's a talented, talented fighter. You, of all people, you know. And this is what I, we, we talk about it all the time. There's those, there's those days, those nights that you come out and you're flat. It's just not there. And you can have those performances. And, and this is the hardest thing is you normally have a long time before you can, you know, come back and do it again and prove to everyone that that was a fluke. This is the guy. At least now he's it's been a short time. He can come back and prove no, no, I'm still in this. Yeah, you need to have a very good short term memory in the PFL. Yeah. You have to understand like this is I'm good. Yep. I'm good. Like I need to move on to the next thing. Yeah. But I don't think it was a flat night. I really think it was a little bit of a hangover from how well he did last year. Really? And not coming he came up short. I think it is. I think because he looked so good against guys that were so talented last year, he made it look easy with the takedowns, the wrestling. I mean, he out wrestled Bubba Jenkins yeah. last year. But, but you know it was I mean? the wrestling. That's, that's a tough task. But it was the wrestling in the end that lost him the PFL championship. Yes, I agree. So then maybe on the offseason, he didn't work his wrestling as much as he should have because he had that in his back pocket. I, I'm just being honest. There's times, and, I, and I, maybe I'm speaking from really bad experiences throughout my career, having a great performance and going, oh, you know what? Next fight's going to be whatever. You know, like, I got this. I had such a great performance. Then you don't train the wrestling as hard and intense as you used to. Or you didn't train your grappling as hard and as, as intense as you used to. Because it's hard. And then it backfires. Yeah, no, it just backfires. You're just like, oh, I'm good. I'm good there. I don't need to work on that. And then it backfires because then you, you know, someone uses something that you haven't seen or some, you just haven't been training as well. It's not as fine-tuned as you thought when you got in there. That, I mean, I, I'm, not a, laying, I'm, I'm not trying to lay out excuses for him. It's but all perishable. He's Every bit, every bit of fighting, it's mm -hmm. perishable skills. You must maintain the level of those skills through your training. And if you don't and you put, you can, you know, how many times have we seen guys that are, you know, just unbelievable wrestlers. You go to their amateur records and stuff. They're just unbelievable. And they wrestle unbelievably well through most of their MMA fights. And they have that one. And it's because they haven't been practicing it because oh, I'm, I'm good there. Mm -hmm. And you can run yeah. into that one guy that can push you to the point where you're not good there. Well, you, you can look at it like I can throw out two of my teammates, you know, Koshik being one of them. You're never going to teach. GSP can never learn how to wrestle good enough to take me down. Yeah. And how did that go? DC. DC, sure, he went back to the well a little bit and started wrestling with some of the heavyweights that were in the Olympic Training Center and had some people brought in. But it didn't help against John Jones. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, there's just... Look... You get away from it enough because this is, I really believe this. It's like math. You lose, if you don't use it, you lose it a little this bit. There's, there's things that you just don't remember. It's perishable. And that's the thing with, that's the thing with MMA. It goes in phases. People are like, oh, I always train the same. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> 
You don't always train. Sure, maybe you're maybe every day when you're not in camp, you you train the same. Yeah. You know, okay, I go in, That's I run, okay. you know, I hit the bag and I hit mitts and I, I work on a little thing here and there, a little bit of my jiu-jitsu, a little bit of my fine. You're training the same. You pick up with a couple little new techniques. But in fight camp, it's a hundred percent skewed towards the guy you're fighting. Yes. Guess what? He's all wrestling. I'm gonna do more wall drills. You don't train more wall drills if you're fighting a kickboxer. <laughs> you, you skew your training well, camps you based off that. Oh, I train I train for every guy the same. That's bullshit. It just doesn't happen that way. And then just for people to say that they do, no. Now, if you want to focus on the things that you're really good at, I'm okay with that. Sure, I always focus on the things I'm good at. Guys that wrestle more because that's what I'm really good at. Khabib, very rare. And it was very rare. He was like standing, you know, in fight, in, in, in sparring training. He was standing a lot. But he also was against certain people that he knew he could stand with, but guys that were like really good kickboxers, hell no. He went back to his well. Every single time was wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. So I, I just think that with Chris Wade, he's he's got he's very well rounded. He's got power in his hands. He's a good fighter on the feet. He's got good wrestling. He's got good submissions. He's I consider him to be one of the most well rounded fighters in the sport. He's up there in the top, top group of fighters. Um, it just I think in that this one last that last fight was a brain lapse, a little bit of I can get by with what I did last year. And he didn't grow a whole lot. I think he was a little bit of a hangover. I think that's going to be gone now coming into this fight. And he's going to, he's going to, he's going to go out there and have a great performance. Yeah. Just my opinion. Any other fight on here that makes you uh, get all excited? Let me see. It's, it's funny to see. I'm sorry. The one that I look at is, and it's a good mm -hmm. fight. Lance Palmer against Shimon Moraes. That is a good mm. fight. That's a great fight. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And, and Lance, and this is another thing. Lance went through it, and I, I don't. I, you know, Lance and I were all friends. Yeah. You, you and I are big fans of Lance. He went on. He, he won it two that. times in a row, I believe. Then he came out, and and we've talked about him. We we love watching him fight. We think he's extremely talented. I just wonder if it's come to the point where everyone kind of knows the way to beat him now, and they kind of know what how his style is. And he has not looked the same since winning it the second time. It was almost like a little bit of a hangover after going back to back. Okay, now I've done it already. What else is next? You get that. I think that's why that's what makes it so hard to be be champion for so long. It's not winning the title, it's defending the title. And having to do it so consistently Say for so long. And with Lance Palmer, yeah, yeah. If with Lance Palmer, it could be an issue. It could mean like this. It doesn't matter who he's fighting right now. Some sometimes, if your mind's not fully in it, plus he's had a baby, you know. So you, there's a lot more going on involved that are involved with that. Yep. But I, I agree with you. It's gonna be a good fight. That's, That's gonna be fight. a good fight. That's a great matchup. Brendan Lohane against. And I want to know Husek. if Bubba's good. Go ahead, Lohane. That's a, that's gonna be a good matchup. I think Lohane is too much for him. But who's a very tough guy? I watch him. He stands in there. He bangs. Lohane's tough, man. Maybe not. The, the best when we talk about fight IQ as far as when he's doing things, but it should make for an interesting yeah. fight. <laughs> and I want to know if Bubba Jenkins is going to yeah. pick up where he left off last year. He was doing well, had a great win over Lance Palmer, had had you know had had some good performance, had some good scrambles with uh, Wade. They were back and forth on some battles. He just kind of came back a little bit, but it, I I think that if he picks up where he left off and builds off of that, especially as he's getting older now. I think he can make a run. He can really make a legit run because his stand-up's gotten better. He's gotten more comfortable, Bubba has, on the got feet. got a lot better. He's just, he Dewey feels Cooper's better out really there. Nice job with him. Absolutely. And yeah. sometimes you just got to find that coach that you click yep. with. And that's really what it comes down to. And it seems like he has done a great job. 
uh, D uh, Cooper has of doing a good job of pulling the best out of some of his fighters that other coaches couldn't get the best out of him. And I think he's doing a fantastic yeah. job. Um, all right, well, that's going to wrap up our PFL talk and uh, tune in. That's on Friday night as well as Bellator, which is on Friday night. Um, obviously, I work for Bellator. I'm not going to toot on anyone's horn here, but you know we only have one show a month for this month, next month, and August. All three of these cards are extremely stacked, especially this one and the Seattle one. As of now, those two cards are insanely stacked, given the prelims from top to bottom have... Sometimes they even have like the top five and top six ranked fighters in there. So it should be a very good night of fights. Don't miss out. The prelims are on YouTube and the main card Phantom is on Weight Showtime. World Grand Prix taking off, man. Again, coming back. Yep. Should be a lot of fun. There, there's some, these two matchups, very intriguing matchups. I love, I love the Grand Prix. No one's going to, anyways. I love when they take the best guys and put them against each other. That's what you want to see. And the best part is the guys know exactly. Where they're going to be and who they're going to go and switch it up on them or anything like that. I think that's another good part of it. You got, let's start from top to bottom. Gegard Mousasi coming back pretty fast. You know, take a look at his fight against uh, Vanderford. How long ago was it now? It, wa it, it wasn't months? long, but I mean, I think he, I think he looks at him and Johnny Eblen as basically the same fighter. They train together, they know each other well, they have very similar styles. Outside of the fact that Eblen yeah. now has fallen in love a little mm -hmm. bit with his standup, which could potentially work to his demise, that could end up hurting him a lot in this fight. Sure, I, I think he should utilize his standup. He's going to have to because as we saw with Austin Vanderford, you can't go out there and shoot raw dog and expect to get takedowns against oh, no. Gegard Musasi. And that's exactly what he did. That's what Vanderford did. Um, Johnny Eblen is not going to do that. That's how he got clipped with the right hand that hurt him. Yeah, Johnny Eblen's not going to do that. Johnny Eblen will stand. He will throw some kicks. He will get into the clinch. He will throw knees. But I, I really, I really believe unless he brings something different to the table from what I've seen in his last two or three fights, he's going to have to mix this up a lot. And for five hard rounds, Gegard Mousasi's been there, done that. What has he got? 46 or 47 wins, seven losses, and two draws. Something along those lines. 49. 49. Sorry, my bad. 40, 49 wins. Okay, so he's got... This is this is this would be... If he gets a win, win number 50. That's insane, John. That's insane. Yeah, there That's you crazy. go. That's I start, why I had to it's say a, it. It's a throwback to like the Jeremy Horn days, the... Uh, all those guys, Paul Bonatello had a ton of fights. I think, you know, Paul just recently, I think, retired. You know, um... It's, it's crazy to think that these guys have so many damn fights. And he's still doing it at a very high level. He's been doing it at a high level since he broke onto the scene for Dream. You know, was beating up and knocking out heavyweights. I mean, this is insane. And Like, he's he's extremely talented. Look, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you guys he's the best. But I'm going to say he's number one or number two. I'm, I'm going to put him right there. If I look at the divisions on everyone's 185-pound everyone's division... He's number one or number two. You guys can mix match him any way you want, but outside of that, he's not outside of number one or number two. And especially if you get a motivated Gegard Mousasi, and if you get a good, if you get a motivated one, that's the difference. He's dangerous. He's he's definitely dangerous. So when I'm yeah. looking at these, when I'm looking at these guys, and I'm seeing Johnny Eblen, he's young. He's got good. He's got a lot of talent. But I saw in the John Salter fight, he still has a little work to do. And the way that Gegard made Salter look, and the way that Johnny Eblen made Salter look. I know you. the MMA math doesn't always mat up, match up, but there's nothing that Johnny Eblen's going to bring to the table that Gegard Mousasi hasn't seen before. Now, there's a, his ability to wrestle and also punch and wrestle at the same time with Johnny Eblen is, 
I think that Johnny's got a good chance of getting maybe a takedown or two. But can he hold him down, John, for five rounds? Can he do work that's, from the top for five rounds? Can he do those things? Well, it's the real question is if you go back and you watch Gegard against Austin Vanderford, I want you to notice the difference because when Gegard Gegard's smart, this is a this is what we call a fighter that really is a thinking fighter, high fight IQ, understands the differences, understands where his opponent is strong, understand what you know what his opponent wants to do. And if you take a look, you know, the fights he had before, take a look, you know, at him against guys like, you know, Douglas Lima when he fought him. Look at him against Salter, who wanted to take him down, but is a different type of takedown guy, more of a go into the clinch type thing and uses trips. And then watch him against Vanderford, a guy who takes people down from the outside, does shoot the, you know, the double leg, will do the blast double. Take a look at the stance variance and the way that Gegard stood. It's different. He squared off, which normally you're going to say you don't want to square off against a good stand-up guy, but he's saying, nah, he's not a good stand-up guy. He's an average stand-up guy, and because he's average, I can give up some in that area, and I'm still better, and I'm going to make it much rougher on him to take me down. Well, I think Johnny should take a look at that tape because he's going to see a guy in Gegard that uses that same stance. He's going to be square. He's going to give those little hip twitches, and he's going to fire off shots, and he's going to fire off a lot of uppercuts coming in because he's waiting on it. He's just sitting there using He's going to use his jab, get you frustrated, let you come in, and here comes the shots up, or he brings the shots straight across. That's how he hurt Vanderford. He hurt Vanderford with a beautiful combination of right hand that landed, and Vanderford all of a sudden was in trouble. Then once it hit the ground, it was over. And Vanderford was 11-0 at the time. Johnny Eblen, 11-0 right now. And going against Gegard, that's the one problem you have. Both Austin and Johnny, they are good, talented, middleweight fighters. They just are lacking in experience in some areas where you know that Gegard has been there, done that, and experienced all of those things. When you're talking a five-round fight. Yeah, they're lacking fight, 49 fights, John. They're, lock, they're lacking 49 <laughs> fights, John. That's yeah, exactly. what they're lacking. <laughs> that's, you know, and that's, that's it, you know. He basically has, you know, 40. He, I know he has 45 more fights than they have. Yeah. And that the, the real thing, when you look at Gegard Mousasi and you look at that, that record, you know, he's 49, seven and two. I can't think of many fights where he has absorbed much damage. I can give a couple, but out of, you know, what we're looking at over, you know, coming up on 60 fights, not many people have damaged him which is yeah. one of the reasons that he's having close to his 60th fight is because he hasn't been damaged. And that just kind of goes to show you that's how good he is. He is hard to hurt. He's hard to hit. Yeah. When I, when I look at Gegard, there's a lot of things that I can, I can take a look and be like, Hey, when, when I see him, when he fought John Salter, he didn't respect the stand up at all. He got hit with some shots. He can't afford to get hit by Austin Vanderford that way, or by Johnny Eblen that way. And when he came out and fought Vanderford, he took him very seriously on the feet. Yeah, he kept his distance. He kept his hands up. He made sure that the big haymaker didn't get in there. With John Salter, he didn't care. He was like, yep. ah, pawing the hand down, hands were down. Again. He was more worried about just yeah. stuffing the takedowns and not allowing him to get in deep on the takedowns. Smart, smart fighter, can read other fighters, knows where, yep. this is where he's dangerous, this is where I think I'm going to be good. And 
And I think when the Johnny Eblen, he's got to be careful on the feet. So he, he look for him to be motivated with his hands up tight, keeping everything nice and tight on the feet. And if the takedown comes, he understands. I think he understands. He's the better grappler than Johnny Eblen on the ground. He may not be the better wrestler, yes. but he is the better no. grappler. Sweeps. I agree. And you talk to you talk to Lovato Jr. He'll tell you. I didn't expect Gegard to be that good. That that hard to pass guard or that hard to, you know to control on the bottom or that hard to get off the top of me and he's like he's probably hands down one of the best guys I've ever competed against and that's saying a lot considering all the jiu-jitsu matches that Lovato Jr's had he is phenomenal on the ground on top and on bottom he's just a difficult to deal with Johnny Eblen won't understand that until he gets in there people talk about how all the fighters that have fought Khabib ah oh, he's he's gonna do this he can do that you don't know until you get in there. What's right. that saying that you like to throw out there? You don't know what you don't know until you know. Until you know. Correct? Okay, there and that's is. the problem. Until you get in there, he's he just he doesn't look the part. He just doesn't have the 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 composed, you know, attitude when he comes in. Looks like he just rolled out of bed, his hair's all fucked up. You know, he's yeah, you dude. know, he's got like he's got bed face. It looks like he yeah, just got out of his pillow, just came off the his face just came off the like, pillow. He's got pillow marks still on his face. In the back. You know, he's got his nerdy glasses on, and then he comes out and just kicks the shit out of you. That's what that's yeah. the story of Gegard Musashi's career. It's that's the story of him. Yeah. Gegard is <laughs> that guy great. who, if you, walking on the street, you look at this guy and you go, oh, I'd fuck him up. <laughs> and then yeah, as you're you right. wake up, you realize, mm -hmm. I made a horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, you just better hope he doesn't use that big dick energy on you when you're knocked out. There you go, man. Fucked. All of a sudden, <laughs> not only is he going to knock you out, he's going to teabag the fuck out of you. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, all right, what what are other fights on this card? Let's go. We got oh, Leandro Higo versus Danny Sabatello. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> come on. The Italian gay. I love Danny Sabatello, man. I, we we got to change his name. We got to change the Italian his name. Italian gangster, bro. not Italian gay. <laughs> you stopped halfway what? through. You said Italian. Oh, no, well, you said it was Italian it, gangster. It, it, he is the Italian gangster, but we got we got to call him the uh, F-bomb gangster. <laughs> Mm -hmm. he, he drops more f-bombs i love that uh, dude john john in the post-fight interview if, if he gets one he'll be counting his fingers behind his head how many he drops <laughs> one two <laughs> no um yeah he i'm excited to see how he does against someone who has a, a very significant submission threat the yeah. arm and guillotine the guillotines the leg locks he needs to be very careful um, where he sticks his head when he's going for the takedowns he likes to yep. come in. He sticks his head to the side. He can fall right into that guillotine, and everyone's guillotine is not the same. Nope. Yeah, there's there's guys that you know when they fucking latch onto that neck, they have a different squeeze and a different angle. You need to be careful because it's oh, I I get away with it in practice all the time. Not the same thing. Not the same guy. Leandro he goes got he has got you know. Let's be honest. Sean Bunch was doing a great job of out wrestling, out speeding. Yep. Causing Leandro Higo problems, he had him frustrated. Thought he was doing, oh, I got this. Stuck his head in there on a takedown. Over. It only takes one mistake, and Leandro Higo can catch you. So Sabatello's got to be careful. But I do believe that Sabatello has the ability to come in here and prove something. He's eleven or well, twelve and one now. Uh, he is a guy that. He can make his mark. He's already he's already making big statements on other things, but he can make a big statement by getting a win against Leandro Higo, and he has the skill to do it. Yeah, 
No, I agree with you. I think um, he's got to be careful. I've trained with Higo. Okay. He may not have a ton of submissions in his name, but he's quick on the neck, just like Patricio is. Nope. He's quick on the neck. He's strong in that position. And when he also likes to attack, he goes X guard right to the leg lock position, trying to hit the sweeps. He will try to rip the heel off. And wrestlers have always been known to be a little weak in the leg lock division. Okay. And though and though in that department. They've lacked in terms of defending, knowing which way to turn, which ways to push off, how to get their ankle clear, especially in the reverse heel hook position, which you should expect Higo to look to attack if he ends up getting him down or being able to drop down on some sort of leg lock position. Danny Sabatello has got to be cautious, especially in that first two and a half to three minutes when the sweat is not really there yet because Leandro Higo will come after you with some big striking and you will drop down on the leg like you do, lower your level and shoot a, a, a power double or a, a single into a blast, something along those lines. But if your head pops out of that center position, you can look for him to try to attack that neck. Oh, and so that's going to be telling, especially in that first, the, that first half of that first round. I'd say three to four minutes, somewhere in there. The second and third is going to be a little bit harder. But remember, the fight always starts on the feet. And Danny's going to have to get that takedown again every single round. And every single round, it's going to jeopardize his neck being taken in that arm and guillotine. This I, is going to be a I, fun I, fight. It's a good fight, but I, I don't think Sabatello gives up that much in the stand-up to Higo. I think Higo's got got an advantage in power. But yes, he Sabatello's, does. Sabatello's stand-up is decent, and he can stand there, and he can dink and dunk, and he can put some volume on it, and he can frustrate you. I think he's got to be careful of the power of Higo. Higo's got that one shot power, but where Danny, be, Danny's also right got to be careful. He doesn't end up on bottom, John. Yeah, this is true. He's got to be careful. He doesn't end up bottom because in his last fight, he got in a couple little scrambles where he almost lost the position and he almost ended up on bottom. He was able to scramble back out, but in that scrambling position, he doesn't leave his neck in a position where he can be taken or on top of that, or being just stuck on bottom, taking elbows. Because Higo has been known, when he gets on top, he's got that nasty alter ego, as he likes to call it, where he just lets the, he lets the elbows fly. And that's where he's got to be very careful, where Danny can't afford to be on bottom, taking shots, getting cut up. Yeah. So that's going to make for a fun fight. Now, the fight that we haven't been talking about, which isn't getting enough play, but I think it's going to end up being a fantastic fight, so is Barzola I. versus uh, Magomed. Magomed, Magomedov. Magomedov. It's going to be a great fight. I just ran into Barzola on Saturday night. I like at, Barzola. Uh, at Crown Fights, I ran into him there with uh, Tomas Dionge just through his first night of fights. And uh, great, it was a successful night there at the Plex in San Jose here. Great little event that they had. Half Muay Thai and half MMA. Great night. Barzola was there with Javier Mendez and a couple other people. And I ran into them and Mountain Man John Fitch. He's got a beard like this big <laughs> right now. Long, long hair down to his shoulders. But I ran into a couple of the old school guys. But this fight right here, Barzola is going to be looking to push the pace. He's going to probably be controlled for that first round and a half, maybe two rounds. And every time Barzola he's looks to get make back him to his feet, he's going to make him work. Now, John, I, I think this, though. Magomedov is not an extreme threat when it comes to submissions. No. He's got decent submissions, but he's not looking to really submit you. He's looking to get on top of you and control you. He Up until up until Aljo had beat Peter Yan, he's the only guy who ever had a legit win against Peter Yan. Now, Aljo yep. just beat him the second time around, but that, that lets you know how good Magomedov was. And then Stotts beat Magomedov as well. So there's a good mix of fighters that are all in here. And Barzola, coming off that great dynamic win in his last fight, I'm just telling you right now, he's on a roll and mentally, he feels like he can get this win. 
He feels like he's going to get this win. He feels like he's ready to go. He said he feels 100%. His conditioning's on point. He's going to look to walk Magomedov down, make him take bad shots, sprawl and brawl. He may not be able to stuff the shots, but it's all about getting up without getting submitted, making him work, making him work over and over and over again and slowing him down. And he may have a chance of doing that. He absolutely does. This is a five-round fight. Yep. Both the Grand Prix ones are five rounds. That's right. This is a five-round fight, and that five rounds absolutely works to the advantage of Enrique Barzola. No doubt about it. That guy has got a gas tank that is equivalent to a freaking old, you know, Ford F-150 Chevy, you know, 1500. It's got a 50-gallon gas tank. The guy can go, and he will continue to put pressure on you just trying to get you tired to where he can then turn the tide and start putting the beating on you. His last fight, I thought, was just a beautiful performance in not only outfighting someone who thought they were going to control everything, walk through him, control the pace, do all these things. Man, he put on one hell of a performance. And uh, I think that he's a real threat to Magomedov. I'm not saying that Magomedov... It, you know, can't beat him. He absolutely can. The guys don't, he is beating the very best and his wrestling is damn good. Mm-hmm. But his submission game is not the slickest as, you know, you're talking about the top, you know, jujitsu guys and the way he goes after him. If the submission's there, he'll grab it. He'll grab the rear naked choke. He'll grab the arm triangle, but he's not that guy that transitions from one to the next really smoothly and sets things up. I think this is a, a, a classic matchup of two good Good grapplers. I think that Magomed is the better grappler overall, but I think Barzola and his pace and his ability to continue to put pressure and not slow down can be the difference in this fight as it gets into those later rounds. Yeah, because Magomedov is not going to be someone standing and throwing and trading punches. He's going to be someone shooting and hanging on the leg until he sucks you in and gets a takedown. And he'll throw you in all different ways. But we've seen that Barzola is not affected by what the crowd says, whether they boo or not, whether they cheer because you just got thrown on your head and it was embarrassing. He doesn't give a crap. He no. keeps coming and he'll keep coming. He sets his ego aside. You seen, I've seen fighters shut down after a big head toss throw. Sure. Oh, they just wilt under that. Like, oh, it's like it broke their ego. It broke it broke their confidence because they just got yeah. thrown in front of 15,000 people. He is not that fighter. He doesn't give two shits. It doesn't matter to him until the end of the fight when his hand is raised and whether he's won or not. And that's the that's a great thing because in with Magomedov, yeah, a takedown after takedown, it can start killing your mindset, start killing your confidence on whether you're going to get the win. But I think in five rounds, like you said, he's got he he understands uh, Barzola does that in, up until the last minute of this fight, I can win, and that's what makes him dangerous because he well, knows he knows he's got the cardio edge. And you, if you recall our fighter meetings. Mikhailov, who was his opponent, said mm-hmm. one of it. One of his things that he said was, "Why, you know, tell us what's the difference? What's what is going to get you the win?" I'm younger, meaning I'm in better shape. I can go yeah. faster. I can go longer. He, it definitely didn't happen, you know. And, and that wasn't this the case. Is definitely not the case. All right, let's go on to <laughs> Brendan Ward, the Irish Brendan Ward, against Cassius Kane. Brandon Ward's got a you know an incredible story. If you go back and you look at you know where this guy has been, what he's done, what he's come from, and what he's coming back to try to do, if there's one thing I will say about Brandon Ward, 
I've never seen him in a bad fight. I've never seen him in a fight that you don't go, that was fucking fun. The guy brings it. He comes every fight to put on a show. He will throw his hands. He will out-wrestle you. He will do anything it takes to win. Sometimes he makes big mistakes. I'm going to be honest with that. You know, made it when he fought Paul Daly and things like that. But there was, you know, some outside interferences that were going on that, you know, possibly didn't help him with his decision making in that fight. But he's back. And I think that, you know, when you go to the Mohegan Sun and Brennan Ward is on the card, the place is packed because he's like an Eddie Alvarez in the Philly, Jersey area there. He, he packs the house. Yeah. I think he's going to, his newfound confidence, his understanding of who he is now, uh, his clear mindset, all of those things come from where he's come from. He's now figured it all out and he's back on track. And I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see someone who is, his confidence is only going to grow more and more as he starts getting more wins. And he's yeah. coming off that last fight, which was a good win where he got, he got some round minutes in. You know, he fought a good fight, but he was able to get some minutes in the cage in there. And now this fight, look for him to catch up to where, hey, I used to be this, this, and this. After he went back and probably watched that fight 10 to 15 times, said, I can fix this, I can fix that. The one thing this guy can do is he can wrestle. He's, he's got power on the hands, on the feet, but he, if, when he gets on top of you, he can be nasty. So once he gets these takedowns and starts laying down the elbows and the big punches and the ground and pound, I'm looking for him to just run away at this fight and really, really let everyone know that he's back. Yep. So that should be a good fight for him. Um, look, the fight for me that I've I've been itching at for the longest time is Alexander Shabley versus Brent Primus. This can be a good fight. Shabley is I trained with him at AKA for a little bit. Shabley then he went over to better ATT. On the feet. He's Primus there. is better on the ground. Exactly. But Shabley's not bad on the ground either, and he's got good no, takedown defense. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's better on yeah. the feet. He's got slick stand up. He is technically yeah. very, very skilled. Premise on the ground is look, he's good. That guy can pull off submissions off of his back in the top position. He's good. He's dangerous when the fight hits the ground. John, let me tell you this though. Brent Primus, though, maybe he's not the fastest guy on the feet. But nope. he's pa he packs a little bit of a punch. And on oh, top of that, though, he's got some heavy, heavy leg kicks. Yeah. You know, and we saw in Shabley's last fight, which was a while ago because he hasn't fought in a long time. He's he took some leg kicks in that fight. And he, if he, he can't afford to take too many of those things against Brent Primus. Yeah. And Primus, if he lets the hands go a little bit and, and stops trying to chase after the freaking Gogo Plata and the Oma Plata and starts working on getting his armbar triangle or his sweeps to get on top. He's going to be someone to reckon with, but he's taking yep. a step backwards because people have figured out his game and what he likes to chase. You've got to learn to evolve. This game is a constant evolving state. And if you're not growing with it, with your style, you get left behind. You get left behind. And he exactly. was making those runs. He's starting to get left behind a little bit because he's doing the same things on the ground. He needs to work on his sweep, submit, get up, or just sweep and get back to your feet. Chase a submission for too long, you lose the round. Especially when they start when you start getting sweaty and they're not close. Is he talented on the ground? Absolutely. We've seen him compete at some of the best against some of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world. But this is not jujitsu. This is fighting. You need to make yeah. sure that you are well rounded all across the board. He is well rounded. He just doesn't utilize it the best. And I've had these conversations with him to his face afterwards. Oh, yeah. So no. for you guys. Oh, you're ragging on him, this and that. No, I've told him to his no, face. No, we've, this ta is, we've talked about these and, little and things. This is, it comes down to 
It's not that you don't know how to fight. It's not that you don't know all these different techniques. It's not knowing, all right, let me switch this up. Let me change this. Yep. Don't go back to the same thing. Don't try that same attack in the same fashion. And once he's beat it in multiple ways, don't go back to it. Either do something else or exactly what you're saying. Let's switch it up. Let me just let me go for the sweep to get back to my feet. It's all about fighting smart. Brent Primus is a smart guy. He just needs to fight smart at certain times in the fight when he's tried these attacks and they haven't worked. Switch it up. Go to something else. Give the guy something else to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And then Shabli, he's going to try to keep sprawling brawl, keep this on the feet. He's got quick hands, good knees up the middle. He's got a good little uppercut left hook. He's he's a good fighter. So yeah. look for him to, to let his hands go and try and get the knockout. Katzengano making his return after a long layoff. Apparently, John, this is the fight that if she gets a, an impressive win, she'll be fighting Cyborg next. Cyborg will be there for this to basically call her out and figure out whether they're going to fight or not. Hold it. Hold it. The I champion's understand. calling out Katzengano? There's no more. There's 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 no one else. Like look, that weight division is so difficult, John. There's there's not enough talent in the weight division across all promotions to make up one to make up one weight class. So it's it's like, what are we doing? We're spending a lot of money. I think both promotions. You know, UFC spends a lot of money on Amanda Nunes and whatever fighters they're trying to get to stay there. We spend a lot of money on Cyborg and whatever fighters we're trying to get there. You know, Arlene Blanco just so PFL spends a, a lot of a money on Kayla Harrison. Whatever Kayla other Harrison, fighters are trying yeah. to do there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, you got three promotions and they've got three of the, they got the three best girls, but none of them are in the same promotion. So each yeah. promotion's dropping a bucket on all three, on these three top females. So True. it's, it's hard to say. Uh, I think Kat's got it. I wouldn't say an easy win, but I think as long as she utilizes her wrestling, stays on top, look for her to get the submission, a little bit of ground up pound. I think she wins this fight. Um, now the guy that I've been waiting for, and I'm upset the fact that he's not fighting in the main event. Anatoly, Anatoly Tokov. Tokov. What are we doing? John, he's ranked number <laughs> five. Am I, I correct? He's I ranked number I five. Knew. John, what are we doing? He's he's on the same card. Uh, why is I it? Know. I love Johnny Eblen. This fight, it should have happened. Could, I don't know how go long to, ago. Go to middleweight. It should have happened pre-COVID. Anatoly yeah, Tokov is ranked number five. 30 and, and record, two. 30 and two. Fabian Edwards is ranked ahead of him at 10 and two. John Salter at 18 and six it's like come on guys this is why i love the the media that does hey, the bellator rankings. that's not bellator that's the media fantastic yeah media does bellator rankings yeah yeah and they're like oh with the inactivity he just fought put him where he belongs he belongs number ago. one or number two he fought when hey october last year almost a year. oh was it last what? year i thought he fought in uh was that that was russia no, he did. It's October twenty third. He did fight in Russia. Twenty October twenty third of twenty twenty one. Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's almost a year ago. Yeah, I thought he just. I was thinking that man, it seemed like Russia was just around the corner. Well, it's not almost the a year, year flies by when you can leave your house. Don't make me any older than I am right You're now. You're almost a year. Okay, because John's turning sixty. No, no, no. Don't make me any older. John's turning There's sixty. There's a long time. Many days between June and October. Here in October. <laughs> John's turning 60. Dude, take it. That's I like three to say months. 80, but. Boom. Long time. <laughs> long time. Uh, all right. So let's see what else is on here. You got Dan Moret versus Achilles Mota. Good fight. Dan Moret. That is a great uh, He hasn't fight. fought since he's coming off that win to uh, Horiguchi, right? I'll tell you. 
a really good fight to watch for people. Lucas Yamaguchi. Brennan. Lucas Brennan, Skywalker, Chris Brennan's yep. son coming in. He's undefeated. He's getting better with each fight going against Johnny Soto. Yep. Johnny Soto, a guy who believes in his grappling skills. We're going to see what, if his grappling skills are up to snuff because Lucas Brennan's are definitely up to snuff. And that is a, a good matchup because Soto tends to really go after his opponent, which I love. It can cause him some problems, but I love his attitude towards the fight and his, I'm just going to break you with pressure and going after you, and he does a great job. But that's going to be a good fight. The other one, Bryce Logan against Mandel Nalo. Rat garbage. He doesn't get enough credit for being a good fighter, man. <laughs> um, the other guy that I want to give a little bit of a shout out to is Cody Law. Cody Law is somebody that is he's young, he's talented, he's coming up. He's one of the he is the top prospect out of American Top Team. Um, that even all the American Top Team fighters are talking about. He's got a great work ethic. He's wrestling, but he's also mixed in with now he's got the knockout power and his boxing has come a long way. His last fight, beautiful slip underneath. Came back with a great combination. Got the yeah. knockout and the finish. He looks good. He's doing some great work. Hey, that's going to wrap up our uh, Bellator talk. Let's move right into the UFC now, and uh, let's talk about that. Uh, I'll tell you what. The... You talk about it. Okay, this is a fight. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Many people are not going to know either of these guys. They're not going to know who Saruki is. They're, they're not going to know. What's that? Because they're foolish. What was that? Yeah, they're foolish. <laughs> these guys are both Ar good. Oh, they're both studs. Armin Saruki both these guys is a freaking killer, and so is Gamro is just good. This is this Polish bastard is a monster. I love the way this guy fights. He comes after you both in the stand-up and on the ground. Saruki and same thing. This these guys are gonna come to the middle, and I just see them clashing. John both these guys could be in the top five right now. Oh, yeah. Both these guys I, I Look at the UFC. This, yeah, Dave, can you this, pull up the division for the lightweight this division? This is why I was saying, when, when you take a look, people are going to look at the names here and they're going to go, oh. UFCs. UFC. You know, there's, there's nothing. I don't, oh, who's that? And they're not going to give credit to where it is due. Oh. These guys in the freaking division are studs. They're right now 11 and 12 as far as their rankings. Both of uh, these guys, I mean, they can beat anyone. They can. Not saying that they're going so to every time, both, but they're, they're, they're that good. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have three cards this week. And if you guys head over to mybookie.ag, they will have betting lines for all three of those cards. You have Bellator, PFL, as well as the UFC. Plenty of fights to go ahead and put some place some bets down on. Go to mybookie.ag. Use our promo code WayneIn. We want to thank you guys for continuing to support us. Use that little QR code right there, which will take you to the mybookie.ag site. Then that will also use our, our QR code, our QR code, as well as our code WayneIn and Get a little additional spending cash with your first initial deposit. And then on top of that, listen to this show and we will let you guys know which way to possibly go in some of these fights where they're over and unders on the two or three rounds or five rounds or whatever the fight may be. You have plenty of options at mybookie.ag using our promo code Wayne. Both of these guys, I think both of them beat Connor. Both of them beat Tony. Both of them beat RDA. I'm a little hesitant on the Darius thing right now. Um, I would say, but they're in that mix. Look at they're, look they're, at Port they're, they're above Connor. They're above want, Tony. Stop. They're above take RDA. A, take a look at Benil Darius. 
Who did he lose to? Yeah. Look uh, where no he's at. One. No one. I know. It's crazy to me. <coughs> it's crazy to me. But you know what I want to know? Be, that's only because Charles Oliveira slid, slid down because there's no champ at that weight right now. See, we're just I just I just call Charles the champ, but there's no champ right now. Darius was at number two or three. No, he was at number four. No. Yeah, he was at number Negative. four. Negative. I believe so. Negative. He might have been, been he had three. Justin Gaethje and Islam ahead of him. That was it. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how Chandler got ahead of him, but <laughs> Well, Chandler knocked uh, out yeah, Tony it, with I, a front I get kick it. and someone liked it. Yeah. Yeah, but but Tony wasn't ranked. Tony wasn't ranked higher than Darius. That's what I didn't get. Well, how no. do you jump Darius? Yeah, you, you dropped Darius. You, by beating, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't even. Not only did he not fight, he didn't lose, and he he drops down yeah. to six. Someone doesn't like poor Benil. No, poor Benil. But look, I, I've been hearing that Charles is getting offered the fight against uh, Islam for the title, but then Charles wants to wait and fight Connor. I guess that's kind of his thing, right? Like, he's not the champion anymore. He doesn't have to worry about it. He's like, I can fight whoever I want now. You're, there's no title on the line. Do you recall when I said that, this could be a problem for them? Taking that title yeah, that's from That's a him. great... Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's smart like, oh, on Charles's fight. That, no, that could I'll, bite just you fight, in the butt. I'll just fight. Yeah. I'll just fight. I'll just fight. I'll fight Connor. That's brilliant. You have an, you have an, yeah. an, an open title... It's vacant because you took it off of the guy that's beating the shit out of everybody. Okay, and, and this is where I said, look, it wasn't the goddamn fucking, it wasn't the regulation that took that title away. That was the UFC that took the title away. And yes, he didn't, he didn't make weight. But you can take a look a lot of it and you go, you're going to take the title right, right away before they even fight. I have a feeling. You can't make adjustments though. Come on, in some way they were looking thinking Justin Gaethje was gonna win that fight. I don't I don't think they look at it that way. No? I don't think they look at it. All that right, way. I could be wrong no. with it, but I don't think I don't think I don't think Dana gives a fuck. I think there's moments where well, he does. Like if it's right. Connor, if it's someone that can yeah. I, move I think the needle. It, I think if it was like Connor and I think, you know, yeah, move people that move the needle, I think he's like, you know what? Like like He knows yeah, what's best for his promotion. I think if it's a Connor situation, I think I think he I think he's falling in love with Chandler. After all we heard was, oh, Chandler's not that good. He's not that great. But now, you know, Dana's, Dana loves him. You know, and that's really what it comes down to. Dana loves him. People, look, so, hold it. You've got to give, look at These guys that are in there. First off, all of his fights in the UFC. Let's be honest. His fight against Dan Hooker. Look at it. It's impressive. Yeah. He went and ran through Dan Hooker, knocks him out. He loses to Oliveira, but it was an exciting fight, and he was winning that fight. He he definitely won that first round after being in trouble. He was in trouble in that first round, but comes back and he wins it. And he had Charles in trouble, and he ends up losing it. Okay, but it was an exciting fight. Then he comes back and he fights Justin Gaethje in what is probably going to be fight of the year. It was it's up there at least. Okay, it was yeah, a great fight. It's up there for sure. It's I'm up not there. saying I'm not saying it was a a smart fight by Chandler, but it was a great fight as far as for fans. And it was, you know, the whole I'm thing. I'm going to maybe not... go with Glover and Yuri. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But still, that's his third fight. His fourth fight is that the best front kick knockout in the UFC history. Yeah. Better, better than Anderson's yeah. against Vitor. Yeah. No. Walk away. Is it only because we got, because we have the slow motion video footage of the no, face no, no. now? Is that no, what no, makes no, it no, better? No, no. no. 
if you recall, you you can put Cheeto Vera against Frankie Edgar. I hate doing that. Yeah, because I, I love Frankie. But you but also that, have you also have Machida and Vitor as well. Well, no, you have you have you're you right. Got you Randy have, and Vitor. And you and have Machida Randy as well. and Machida. You have Vitor and Machida, uh -huh. and the, but the the first one that everyone talks about is Anderson and Vitor. But if you look yeah. at it, I don't know. It's it's up there. I think people are saying that's yeah. the biggest one because Tony was out oh, for the longest amount of time and everything. That but, might be it. You know, you take a look in that he's had every fight that he has come in there and performed has been a super entertaining fight. It has. No, absolutely. He's, an, he's same, an entertaining fighter. That's the same thing he did when he was in Bellator. He's an entertaining fighter. He, he, he normally goes after it. Very rarely did he have a bad fight. Yeah, he goes out on his shield or he puts somebody out on their shield. That's really what yep. it comes down to. He's that kind yep. of guy. He lays it all on the line. For someone who trains as hard as he does, and I've always said this, He's an explosive, dynamic, great fighter. He is a fantastic fighter, and he leaves it all out there. If you're looking to sign somebody that you could potentially build a promotion around, he'd be that guy. Him, yeah, Eddie Alvarez. Because the other, you know, the other part is Dustin Poirier. Look, look at him on the mic. Look, you yeah. got to give it to him. When he did that knockout and what he did when they went in there to interview him, he did it. He, he calls out the yeah. right thing. He's got the lines. He puts it out intelligently, and it sounds great, you know. And he's got his little shtick, you know. Meet you at the top or whatever. Okay. <laughs> hey. Oh, jeez. It catches people's attention. All right, let's get back on track. We went way off. So I, I got. <laughs> I'm gonna have Armand. I'm gonna have Sarukian. I'm gonna be. I think he's gonna get the takedowns and be able to grind this out. I think he's gonna be a workhorse for the full five rounds. And I, I'm not taking anything away from Gamrot. He's got the power. I think he's got the better stand up. Um, the wrestling is going to be a little bit of an issue for him. If he can stay off of his back, it's going to be good. I, I, I'm yeah. not saying it's not. I think that Saryukin's the better wrestler. Okay. I'm not saying he's the better submission guy, but I think he's going to be the better wrestler. He's going to try to chase the take the takedowns. He's going to have to avoid making sure he doesn't make himself too tired and get stuck on the feet because Gamrot is the better stand-up fighter. Now, don't get me wrong. Saryukin's good on the feet as well, but he's. I think that Gamrot is the better fighter on the feet. So it's going to make for a fun fight. They match up really well. They do. They do. They and like really I said, both these guys well. should be number they should be number 6, number 7 or number 5, number 6, whatever it is with a champion or without a champion. I think they're in that top top group of fighters. They're not far off, but look for these look for these two to be in the top 2 or 3 probably within the next year and a half. That's what I'm looking at. These yep. both these guys are nasty. Next fight. Neil Magny takes on Rachmanov. Oh, Rachmanov is good. This guy, a lot of people don't know who he is. He's good. 15-0, and 0, Josh. I was just going to ask you if he was undefeated. He is. He is undefeated. Mm -hmm. Neil Magny is, I, I, this guy is, he's a pace setter. He's, he's, he's kind of like, he's the dink and dunk guy. He just sits mm -hmm. there and pop, 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 and he just keeps on piecing you up. To the point where you get frustrated, you try to take him down. He ends up on top of you on the ground, and he just starts working towards the submission. And he's got great submissions. He's good everywhere, but he's going to have a very tough road against Rachmanov. Interesting. Yeah, I, I you think he's going to have a hard time with the the reach and the range of Neo Magni and the movement of Neo Magni because Magni doesn't stand directly in front of you. He uses a lot of no, lateral movement. And he keeps that long – he'll do the thigh kick. He'll do the push kick up the middle. He stays long with the jab. 
He's kind of unpredictable, you know, in Dave, terms pull of up where, he, where his combinations record. are coming up. I want you to see something. All right. Well, no, this is just, you know, it's just, this is just fact. Okay, I want you to, this is what this is my whole point. Let's see, his last fight, KO, spinning, hook, kick, and punches. Win before that, submission. Win before that, submission. Win before that, TKO. Win before that, TKO. Win before that, TKO. Mm. Where do you see the decision in here? That's true. Ooh. That's true. And, and, and yeah, Neil Magny has been known to just drag people in the dark and deep waters and be able to hang on them, make them tired, start to beat them up in the later round. Yeah. Maybe this thing ain't going to happen. Neil Magny's got his hands full. Do you look I, at the, I, I feel I'm like telling... Neil Magny's got the shit show of the UFC. They've really fucked him. <laughs> that poor oh. guy. He's He fights anybody and they just, they're he like, does yeah, fight whatever. Anybody. Let me give you the hardest fights we can possibly find. He better be getting paid pretty well. He better be getting paid. He's one of those guys, he man. He is one of those. He's dude, one he'll of those fight guys. anybody. Yeah, if if, if like you recall, you know, when 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 Cosma Chimaya was out there, who was the one oh, guy yeah. saying, hey, man, give me that fight? He was Neil Magny. Yep, he Neil was Neil Magny. Give That's me that fight. I'll take him right now. So. Uh, what about, okay, so what do you got? Josh uh, Parisian versus uh, Alan, how do you say his name? Boydot? Boydot? Bado. Bado. Okay, there you go. Bado. Yeah, both heavyweights. <laughs> Parisian, more of a stand-up fighter, likes to you know yeah. fight on the feet. So does Alan Bado. I think in the end, it's going to be you know the Parisian bigger, a little bit bigger. I think Bado is a little bit faster. I think he's going to be able to touch the target a little bit more. And you can see that Parisian starts to slow down when he's getting touched. He's tough. He keeps on coming though, but. It's, this one to me kind of all adds up to how fast is Alan Badeau able to land combinations and circle out. He understands good mo good foot mo foot movement. He opens up, mm -hmm. he circles out, he creates the angle, he comes back on a counter. I, I'm not sure that Parisian is that elusive fighter that can stay with a guy. He's going to start following instead of cutting off. He's going to try to cut him off, but he's going to end up start following, and that's going to lead him down a bad path. But he could definitely win this fight. I'm not saying he can't. I just say the advantage to me goes to Badal. The other guy that I'm looking at, too, in that lightweight division, uh, John, is Tiago Moises. He's another guy yeah. who just hasn't been able to rack off a bunch of wins in a row because he's fought guys like Islam. He's fought other guys. And they're extremely tough. He's in that mix, though, too, of making a big jump with a couple little tweaks here and here and some wins and getting on a, a path to build his confidence. He's one of those guys I look to see be – Look to start to see him in that top six, seven area there um, and with a couple good wins under his belt. He's another talented lightweight. So, um, but but the guy that obviously, you know, I'm going to talk about the most is my young <laughs> little brother, Umar Nurmagomedov. Umar. Umar coming back after his knee surgery. It looks absolutely fantastic in the gym. Putting some work on these guys. I know he's a bantamweight, but guess what? 55-pounders in there that have guys that are with the UFC, other guys that, that are with other promotions. He's making them work. He's making them work like they're having a hard time getting him down. They're having a hard time standing with him because of his speed. He's putting his combinations together really well. That side kick, the thigh kick, the head kicks. Well, he's more with of a stand-up fighter. He is more of a stand-up guy. But, get, but he's gotten a lot better at sprawling and making you pay. So after, yeah. you, after you shoot your shot and he stuffs your takedown and making you pay, Lifting you up a little bit, letting the hands and the kicks go, making you pay. Kick into the body, kick in the calf. 
all of these little things. And he's gotten really crafty on the ground. When he first came to us, when he was like 19, he, he just, the, the, the grappling was his weakness. His wrestling was good, but it wasn't great like Islam's and like Khabib's and, and a lot of the other guys that they were bringing over. It wasn't that great. But his wrestling's come a long way. And then on top of that, you add his jiu-jitsu. His jiu-jitsu's gotten a lot. And what I love about him, and I've always loved this about him, and not a lot of the Dagestani guys are this way. Not, I think maybe it's because of the English barrier. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to ask questions. But then like when 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 I'm there, when other guys are there that have been around the game for a long time, they'll pick your brain. They'll they'll pull you like with Umar, he'd always pull me aside. Coach, coach, come on, come on, come on, come on, legend. Come help me. Help me with this. You know what I love you'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah, you love to like, come let, talk here, to let me. Let me stroke that ego so you give me something I want. I love it. I love it. I love it. it makes me feel so good. I leave there like I just helped the, the new future. No, it's it's it. he is somebody that always wants he wants you to grapple with him a little bit. And then after you're too tired, he's like, hey, can you watch me, though? Can you watch? He wants you to watch. He wants you to break it down. His ego doesn't get in the way. And that's the one thing that I've always that's loved. Why, the same thing with, that's why he's uh, good. with That's the same thing with Islam. When Islam when it first came onto the scene, too, he didn't let his ego get in the way. He was always asking questions, always wanted to know how he did this, how he did that. These young guys, especially Umar, is he's going to be a he's going to be a, a problem for a lot of fighters, and um, I, I think that just the speed in his hands, the power he's possessing now, as he, as he's becoming like a full, as he's becoming a man, he's getting that man strength now. He, that's the thing. I think they're people are going to start having a lot of hard. They're going to have a hard time with him on the feet just, and on the just, ground. Just just another monster stud to put into the bantamweight division, like they don't yeah. have an, an enough. Yep. Bantamweights are yep. just crazy stacked. Chris Curtis against <laughs> Adolfo Vieira. I'll tell you what, Adolfo Vieira Ooh. better not think that he's just going to put this guy away, man. If he if he does not get rid of Chris fast, Chris is a guy, he's a gamer, he will stick with it, and he will continue on. He's got cardio, and we know that Vieira does not do well with the weight cut and his cardio. He tends to have some problems. Be careful. I don't Chris care Curtis if he's got, got power. eight losses. Yep. He's tough. Chris Curtis got power, and he, he's a he's a little spark plug. What is he, like 5'8"? Yeah. He's not a big guy. He's He's well, got he's, big he's shoulders, muscular. big chest. He's muscular. Yeah. He's 5'10", you know, but he, Oh, he's 5'10". Okay. Maybe, I don't, maybe it's a TV that makes oh. him look 5'8". <laughs> no, but against Vieira, I mean, like he, if, he, if Chris Curtis can stuff a couple of the takedowns, make Vieira work, slow him down, let the hands go. Touch him. Just touch him. You don't have to knock. Not every punch has to be a knockout punch. If Chris, if Chris Curtis can just touch him, touch him, make him react, make him use energy. Vieira will be so tired by the middle of the middle of the first, maybe into the second, that he can start letting his hands go. Because if he starts letting those chasing those submissions, if Vieira starts chasing the submissions and and he starts chaining them all together so well, Curtis gonna have to defend, defend, defend. He needs to just get out in a way. Don't try and stick in there. Don't try and land ground no. and pound. Don't try and do any of that stuff. Get out and away. And if he can do that, you look look for him to start touching with the hands and letting it go. It should be a good fight. Yeah. What other fights on this card are you looking at? Look, I, I really Scroll like down. Carlos Olberg. Very good stand-up. Uh, he's fighting uh, Tefan Unchukwi. I mm -hmm. believe that's how you say it, but that's actually a good fight. Both guys good, good in the stand-up game. Neither guy tends to go to the ground much they're both okay there but Olberg comes from you know city boxing 
he got beat in his first fight after he was doing great, but he got tired out. It was uh, Kennedy mm-hmm. who he lost to, but this is going to be a fun fight. This is, uh, I think, in the end, you're gonna, you're, someone's going to go to sleep in this one. Good. All right, guys. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk. If we missed a fight, it's all right, guys. They're going to be back, hopefully. <laughs> and we'll talk about no, no, it no. next time. If, if, if we missed a fight, hopefully they prove us that we should have talked about it and yeah. they put on a great performance, and we will. Yeah, we've got we've had to break down three fights this whole weekend, so there's three a show. lot going on. Plus, we got some we got some sorry three shows, not three fights. We've got a lot of news to talk about as well. So let's uh, let's jump right into the news there podcast, Dave. What do you got? <clears throat> All right. So the first one uh, we <clears throat> Danny Sabatello, who obviously has a fight this week, comes out. <laughs> like I say, about, number one. Um, He's number Bellator one. Bellator has a better <laughs> bantamweight division compared to the UFC. Um, and talks about, you know, being better than Aljamain Sterling. So let's get your reaction there, thoughts on that, and then uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> go! I, I mean, I'm not going to – John, I'm not going to compare the two weight classes, uh, the two weight divisions from each promotion. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let the fighters do all the talking when it comes to in comparison. But just, just so you guys know, these fighters all train with each other. He's one of the top guys at ATT at 135 pounds. You got Cody Law, who is there, who's been highly touted, and he's talked about all the time as well. You've got other guys out of that division that all that all fight in the UFC. They know who's good. Just the same, no different than the guys that are all at, at Extreme Couture's or at Syndicate and all these other places that train in Vegas. They all know. They all know who the best is. They all know who they're. They all know when they compete against each other who's good and who's not. So when they start speaking out like this, they've got a little insider trading. They know exactly what's going on. They know exactly how good they are and, and how to beat. Maybe he thinks he's good enough to beat Aljamain Sterling because Aljamain Sterling is a top-level wrestler. Well, so is Danny Sabatello. How do you plan on getting to my back if you can't take me down? Maybe that's in his mind. Maybe they know each other. Maybe they don't know each other. I don't know. Bottom line is, certain fighters will call out certain fighters because they know stylistically they are they are perfect match for them to beat and in this fight Danny Sabatello probably thinks how you getting to my back or how you taking me down you're not a better wrestler than me and that's probably where he's going with this in terms of the division look both divisions both divisions in both promotions are stacked you know you can go back and forth all you want and you can say that the UFC has a better one I can say the Bellator has a better one the bottom line is there's a whole shitload of fighters at 135 one has got a huge division of 135 pounders that are freaking nasty good. So I could sit here all day and say it, but the bottom line is there's plenty of them to go around. So there's no reason to argue about it. I, I think Danny, first off, Danny believes in himself. And I love that yeah. about him because that's the way yeah. you're supposed to be. Danny fought on the Dana White Contender Series. He got a, a easy win, but it, he did not finish the fighter. And Dana didn't take him. And, you know, that Dana does that many times, but I think Dana made a mistake in not taking him in that one because you know, Dana didn't know him and he saw the fight and he goes, yeah, but he's a wrestler. And in his opinion, wrestler is going to be a dime a dozen. It's something that is not that exciting. So I saw a guy that wrestled a lot, took his opponent down, controlled him on the ground, used ground and pound, but it wasn't that exciting striker. That's the guys that Dana is normally looking towards. But I think, you know, Danny looked at that, kind of looked at it as a slight. He's come into Bellator he had a big win against a UFC vet in Brett Johns in his first fight. Brett Johns had only had what I want to say two two losses. I think one was to Aljamain. Uh, though, 
but um, I think he had two losses in the UFC, and then he comes over to Bellator. He fights Danny Sabatello in his first fight. Danny took that fight on seven days' notice, yeah. and Danny dominated that fight. Manhandle him. Just, just unbelievably good performance for a guy coming in on one week's notice. And he's saying, yeah, Aljamain beat him, so did I. And you're right. A lot of times these guys, they all train together. Look, Aljamain trains with Patchy Mix and guys like, you know, Rafian Stotts, and they're all in the same room. And they all work out together. And they all know. And and I don't I never sit here and talk about the things that I know from talking to trainers and what's going on it because it's training. And you don't you, you can't compare it all. You really can't. You know, some guys they can get smoked in the gym day in and day out. And when you put them under the lights, they smoke everybody. And that's just the way some guys are and stuff. So it, the gym stuff, but when you have success against someone in the gym, at least you start to gain confidence of, well, they say that guy's the best guy in the world and I'm doing well with him. So obviously I'm one of the best guys in the world. Yeah. And, you know, that's the way to look at it. And that's where your confidence comes from. And if there's one thing Danny Sabatello is not lacking right now, it's confidence. <laughs> but what you get, what you see is what you get with him. He's real. And, like, I like what he said when he's like, look, I'm from American Top Team. Other than everyone, the hair. And every, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and everyone keeps talking to him and asking him questions about, is this like a Colby Covington? So he's like, no. He's like, this is who I am. He's like, I'm Italian. This is who I am. He's like, on top of that, that stick of Colby's is fake. He's, he's not an he's not. He's not a real gangster. He tries to act like he's tough. He's like, no. He's like, and the other thing as well, I don't overstep. I talk about my opponent. I talk about their skill level. You'll never hear me talk about my opponent's family, their wives, their kids, anything outside of who I think that they are in that cage. That's who I'll talk about because that's who I am. He's like, it doesn't matter. I will tell you what's on my mind when it comes to my opponent, not anything else. I won't talk about their religion, their wives, their kids, their families, nothing. That's all off. That's all out of, out of bounds. That's not an area that I'm going to head into. And I like that about him. I like that he's laid the groundwork and said, "Look, I'm going to say who I am, and I'm going to be confident in who I am, and I'm going to talk shit about the guys that I'm fighting, but nothing else." That's that's a good person right yep. there. He understands what, that this is just a sport. He also understands that he needs to be confident in himself to become a champion. I think he's on his way, man. This can be. He poses a threat for a lot of these guys. A lot of them. Yeah, he does. He's so fast yeah. in his wrestling. His blast double and his single and, to the flare is nasty fast. Oh, he's he's inside. Yeah. He covers distance very well. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of guys, the, the, you can see when they're taking that shot, he fucking drops levels, comes in, and it's fast and clean and, you know, puts his head in the right place, you know, brings his head up, doesn't keep his head down, does all the things you go, that's why you're great with your takedowns. Yep. So... All right. All right. Next. What else? All right. We're going to wrap up on this last one because we do have other things to talk about, but they are going to be on Wing we and do. Objection, which comes out tomorrow. So make sure you guys are following the extra channel below so that you guys can see Wing and Objection and see the uh, conversations we're going to have on there. But let's look at this last one. Um, and the only reason I bring this one up is because <laughs> A, it's hilarious. B, Joe Rogan reposted it. And see, it was posted in an article with uh, fighter reactions. And Josh, you were one of the fighter reactions to this photo with your comments <laughs> in the internet wins today. No, the, the internet's undefeated, man. There's nothing we can do. The internet will stay around when we are long gone and it will continue to whoop everyone's ass. <laughs> Shit like this will stay up on, on, on the internet 
forever. It will forever and always be there. I'll give you an example. My loss to Eves Edwards. That shit's still going around Instagram right now. That was 15 years ago or some <laughs> shit. That's just the way it goes, man. This right here, the Joe Biden falling off the bike situation. We should better describe this for all of our audio listeners. I got, you know? I got to tell you, Josh, you, you is... losing to Eva Edwards was more than 15 years ago. Oh, was it? Okay, it was a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like it's it's still circling around on Instagram. But it is what it is. Um, this 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 bike situation though, it gets to the point, oh, John. Crazy. I feel sad though. I feel sad for him because let's stop let's stop parading him around like he's a young guy. Just lead the country and let's leave him alone. Okay, like yeah, let's, you're not, I'm you're not, not. I don't young. want to get into it. To, yeah, but you're gonna get people. Oh, he's trying to stay in shape. That's good. The best part that I heard is someone said, "Oh, he didn't unclick on his on the pedals. He was wearing was, fucking Nikes. He's not wearing bike shoes, dude." No, but there was little there was little toe clips for his foot to go in. There wasn't a click in. It okay. was like a foot little thing like, where you put your toe in. I oh, saw it's got it. the little front thing. That's that's yeah. that's old school. No wonder that he is was old doing school. That. that is he's old used school. to that old school stuff. The no, wing and uh, breakdown of the president's falling of off the, the president falling off his, his bike. Uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, good. I felt I felt kind of bad for. Him. I was like, that sucks, man. That's I don't blame but, you. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, go to WayneInPodcast.com. Pick up some of our merch. We've got long sleeves, short sleeves. Right now is summer. Pick up all the short sleeves available. Hashtag and still is up. And Joshisms. The Joshism is up still. Hindsight is 50-50, as you guys can all remember. That is my saying. Tall, long, and lanky. We need to make a shirt that says that before Dominic Cruz does. Tries to steal all my stuff. I'm giving people a hard time, by the way. Okay? I don't oh, care. Oh, yes, you are. I don't care that Dom steals my lines. It's He said tall, long, and lengthy. <laughs> You know, lengthy. I say tall, long, and lanky. Tall, long, and lanky, lengthy. I say. Not You're lengthy. very lengthy, okay. Josh. Anyways, I love Dom. Wait, Dom's what, what one of my it, favorite what fighters. What does by lengthy? I don't know. It must have sounded like he was talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Why don't you go ahead and take us off the air? Well, for everyone out there, thank you for listening to us. Just so you know, Josh Thompson lost to Eve Edwards back in 2004. That's not 15 Ooh. years. <laughs> Josh is losing his ability to do math. Oh no! Sorry, never had it. If you don't, Everyone you don't use it. You lose it. <laughs> if you don't use it, you lose it. We talked about this earlier exactly in the show. The point from the start of the show. Let's round it off at the end. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you.